Welcome to TYT's Indisputable, it is Adrian Lawrence. I am filling in for Dr. Rashad Ritchie and it has been crazy lately in terms of a news cycle. We have a lot of exciting and very interesting stories to share with you today. And you will get commentary from the one and only Ben Glebe. And you're also gonna get an opportunity to hear some of his comedic standup and a special that is coming your way. We will have more details for you out there and we are very excited to go ahead and share that with you today. So let's go ahead and get started. With it concerns the news, we are heading out to Ohio where a man who survived a brutal police beating after a traffic stop in 2017 is now claiming victory. Why? Well, the officer that accused him has been convicted of assault and interfering with that man's civil rights. Let's get a picture of the officer up here. Euclid police officer Michael Amot now faces jail time for the attack. Now Richard Hubbard III was the victim. Now Hubbard and his girlfriend were on their way to the bank when they were pulled over by Amot for not coming to a complete stop while making a right turn at a red light. No biggie you'd think. Well, after Amat discovered Hubbard's license was suspended at the time, Hubbard was asked to step out of the car. Once Hubbard stood outside of the driver's side door, the encounter, it quickly turned violent. Now, what we know per the Atlanta Black Star, which has provided this screenshot here from the encounter is that Amat can be seen kicking and punching Hubbard. And once he's on the ground, Hubbard can be seen on dash cam and bystander video being slammed several times onto the street and punched by the officer while in a prone position. Now we also have this from the Atlanta Black Star. Hubbard was charged with resisting arrest and not following police instructions. But those charges were later dropped. Following a 45 day suspension after the violent arrest on October 13, 2017, Watt was fired from the Euclid Police Department for violating department policy. A year later, an arbitrator ruled that Amwat must be rehired to the Euclid Police Department, given back pay and complete additional training. Meanwhile, Hubbard and his girlfriend filed an excessive force lawsuit against the city of Euclid for $450,000 that the city agreed to pay in April of 2021. Now, this Euclid resident and community activist named Richard Montgomery is one of thousands who saw the viral video earlier on and supported Hubbard. He also realized accountability would be hard to come by, relying on local prosecutors. So he exploited an Ohio law to help Hubbard and his attorney find a path to justice. Yeah, that's right. The Atlanta Black Star explains, Ohio is just one of the few states where citizens can petition a judge to arrest someone if they feel like they have sufficient evidence. Montgomery described in the mechanism he used to join the effort to help Hubbard get justice. Ohio Revised Code 293509 says, a private citizen having knowledge of the facts who seeks to cause an arrest or prosecution under the section may file an affidavit charging the offense committed with a reviewing official for the purpose of review to determine if the complaint should be filed with the prosecuting attorney. So nearly five years after the arrest, Amwat was found essentially found himself facing a trial with possible jail sentence looming ahead. And after a week of testimony, well, the jury took five hours to find him guilty, interfering with Hubbard's civil rights. That is a huge win there as far as I'm concerned. And sometimes you can't rely on prosecutors to get the job done. And so seeing a citizen take matters into their own hands and using the legal system to ensure that individual civil rights are preserved and that the bad guy is held accountable. It's a damn good thing and I appreciate it. Ben, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Adrian. I mean, 
It's nice to know that there's a couple of states that at least accidentally have a law on the books it seems to be able to enforce some justice on people who egregiously abuse their power. Um, I don't understand where in the police training comes this seeming seemingly uh, consistent piece of training that makes clear to them that when somebody is subdued fully and is on the ground, it's okay to continue punching them and kicking them and attacking them as aggressively as possible. Uh, seems like that would be obvious. That is something that is not needed to be done, should never be done, and they do it because they can get away with it. So to know that a concerned citizen cared enough to help find this law that apparently you can you can skip around a grand jury, you can skip around a prosecutor needing to file charges, you can go right to a judge and be like, basically a citizen's arrest of even a police officer is a pretty exciting Development, not that it should ever be exciting when something like this happens, but when there's so much injustice that occurs, it's nice to know that there are occasionally moments when justice can still be found and there is some recourse for people to send a message to law enforcement everywhere that your job is to keep us safe and that's it. Yeah, exactly. The whole protect and serve thing seemed to fly by that officer. But now the officer is going to be held accountable because really the guy is accused of what? Not fully stopping on a red to make a right turn. Get the hell out of here. Ain't nobody got time. And also this is just something that will cost citizens in terms of paying for these civil rights settlements. And so that hopefully you know these officers get it through their heads. And not too far away from that Ohio incident is an incident in Chicago. There's new video of a 2018 Chicago police shooting that largely confirms that the police lied about legally armed black men, illegally armed black men pulling a gun on them, which was what they claimed. Here is the newly released footage. And as you saw there, the gentleman was reaching for something, but it definitely was not a gun. But of course, this is what the officer did right after the shooting. Check this out. Why do you have to pull a gun out on us? Breathe in through your nose. I'll turn on. I feel like I was there for you. I was trying to grab him. I'm glad I found my wife. I had to. He was going to shoot us. He was going to shoot us. Look at me. Look at me. You're okay. 
You're okay. Pull the gun out. I know he did. I know he did. Look at me. You're okay. Yes, it was not a gun at all, but Officer Dylan Haley, he reframed what happened and then he basically fled the scene. Now, Harith Augustus was the man who was shot, 37 years old. He was fatally shot at the time by the Chicago police officer, Dylan Haley. And on the day of the incident, Chicago Police Superintendent Eddie T. Johnson, well, he described Augustus as a male subject exhibiting characteristics of an armed person, whatever that means. And also noting that he was killed by an armed confrontation. Again, it seems that the police are concocting whatever narrative will justify their use of deadly force despite the circumstances not warranting that behavior at all. This is just, it's incredibly disheartening, especially because for years the Chicago police has lied about what happened. It's only with this newly released footage that we know, we know that Mr. Augustus was not pulling out a gun. And we know that officers knew that at the time, yet they lied about the narrative. Ben. Well, sorry, I wanna correct the record on that. He did have a gun on him and- Oh yes, excuse me, thank you. And it, and it looks like he was reaching for it, but they concocted the narrative that he pulled it out, and that they at one point said that 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 he shot at them, and that was not true. They also broke protocol in that they were taken by another officer out of the scene, and they were discussing the case, corroborating their story, adding facts that did not that were not facts that did not exist. Um, I don't understand why anybody in general, let alone a black man, knowing the state of policing in our country with regards to how black Americans are treated oftentimes would run from the police. It seems like it's almost a death wish to do so because you are opening yourself up to a very tragic situation. But that said, it does not justify an unjustified use of force. And um, you know, I've, I've seen worse cases not to excuse police activity here, but the man ran away and seemed to be grabbing for a gun. And I would even understand an argument from the police that that caused enough fear to shoot that person. We've seen so many videos where somebody is not armed or is not at all pulling for a gun and they are killed anyway. And so you would think perhaps even in this case that the person who was shot, that they would have an argument when the case gets brought up that perhaps they had justified use of force in this case and that was was enough they had somebody fleeing they knew that he had a concealed weapon they showed they saw when they saw his wallet he had a concealed carry permit and so they knew there was a gun there that should be enough but the police instantly back each other by making up these narratives that are not necessary and what they do is they just not only out of self-preservation, they lie about an incident that now causes the problem further of us not trusting the police, not trusting what they say, coordinating their stories saying he pulled his gun out, didn't he? Yes, he did. He was about to shoot us, wasn't he? Oh, Yes, he was, but none of that happened. And it just creates further mistrust. Um, nobody says policing is easy. You don't need to lie about somebody that was just murdered in the streets. No, no, not at all. And you know, I 
I, I can to some extent appreciate the thought of, oh, well, why, why run? But the thing is, is like being a black person, the police have never been our friends. Even the fact is, regardless of whether we run or we stay and comply, we are beaten, we are murdered, we are attacked. So I think it's only natural to try to flee because you know that no matter what happens, there's a good chance you're gonna end up with a bullet in your back and also that they are going to lie about it. So I, I don't think that it, in any way is illogical for this individual to try to flee from police, given that police were and still are in the business of being slave patrol, trying to catch us and regulate our bodies. And in addition to that, you know, this man having that lawful gun permit and having police lie and say that he pulled out the gun on them, you know, it just it furthers and advances the narrative of again that we can't trust police. But the thing is, black people have always known that. So there's never been a time necessarily in our society that we thought that these people were our friends because again, they emerged out of slave patrol. So I don't think that there was anything necessarily wrong with how this man responded. And if police want black people to comply and to engage in all of these antics that we will pretend will change the game in some way, then they've got to stop murdering us and lying on us. Because until then, I'm going to try to protect myself or save myself because you haven't shown me that you are here to protect and serve. But we can go ahead and turn to Wyoming, where Congresswoman Liz Cheney is now out of the game. She was defeated in her primary on Tuesday, but she seems to have vowed to continue her political career, even suggesting a possible presidential run in 2024. But of course, even after her defeat, she remains confident in the future of her political career, which I would imagine since she comes from a family of politicians. This per the AP, she said, I've said since January 6th that I will do whatever it takes to ensure Donald Trump is never again anywhere near the Oval Office. And I meant it, she said during her concession speech on Tuesday. Our work is far from over, she said, evoking Abraham Lincoln, who also lost congressional elections before ascending to the presidency and preserving the union. Yeah, that's right, Lincoln definitely had that path. I really don't necessarily know if Cheney will too, but it seems that she will try. The thing that I think is very important that we want to bear in mind is that, hey, Cheney has somewhat of a history here, but still in terms of not necessarily doing things that favor the Democratic Party, but still she again really does wanna run for president, here she is. The former president said last night, you're now headed to political oblivion. You said this fight is just beginning. You've even launched a political organization already. So let's just be straight about it. Are you considering running for president yourself? Well, what I'm going to do, Savannah, is spend the next several months completing my work in Congress, obviously completing my work representing the people of Wyoming. We have a tremendous amount of work left to do on the January 6th committee. And also, though, I'm going to be making sure that people all around this country understand the stakes of what we're facing, understand the extent to which we've now got one major political party, my party, which has really become a cult of personality. And we've got to get this party back to a place where we're embracing the values and the principles on which it was founded. And talking about you know fundamental issues of civics, fundamental issues of what does it mean to be a constitutional republic. But Congresswoman, you didn't answer me yes or no. I know that Donald Trump. I will be doing whatever it takes to keep Donald Trump out of the Oval Office. Well, I know you didn't say yes or no, and that's fine if you're thinking about it. But are you thinking about it? Are you thinking about running for president? 
It, uh, that's a decision that I'm going to make in the in the coming months, Savannah. I'm not going to make any announcements here this morning, but uh, but it is something that I uh, I'm thinking about, and I'll make a decision uh, in the coming months. I kind of think we know what that means. And I know there's word on the street that's thought that she might partner or do some kind of independent side party. It'll be interesting, but I do find it to be rather um, maybe cringy the thought that she wants to get back to the GOP's initial base and their principles. Let's put up graphic number five so that we remember what those principles are in terms of the work that Cheney has done. So this comes from a tweet from Kasim Rashad Esquire. Uh, FYI, Liz Cheney opposed the Voting Rights Act, Minimum Wage Increase, Equality Act, Equal Rights Amendment, George Floyd Act, uh, the BBB, also Infrastructure Bill, Inflation Reduction Act, $35 Insulin Bill, Women's Health Protection Act, Anti-Gas Price Gouging Bill, and voted with Trump 93% of the time. He also said, I'm not sure how people are missing the direct connection between people like her voting, voting no, on countless fundamental human rights and the rise of someone like Trump who goes one step further. Yeah, that's exactly what I say to myself. The thought is that she stood up to Trump, yes, by calling him out on his attempted coup. At the same time, how did we even get there to the point where there could be someone like Trump or an attempted coup? It's because of the antics that in which she engaged, things that she worked toward that did not advance democracy, but are really the antithesis to it. And so now she lost her seat, although she's been holding it since 2017. She lost it to the Trump back challenger, Harriet Hageman, by over 35 points. Here she is, Harriet Hageman. She's, she's a, um, she has a lot to say. She's been out there and it'll be interesting to see how things go. But Wyoming is letting us know where they stand and it seems to be behind Trump. Ben. I mean, huge congrats to Harriet, who looks like an adult Harry Potter. Um, I think this speaks very well to the the place of our that our country is in right now, where we are praying for a Cheney to ascend to the top office in the land to save us from the dark place we are in now. Uh, we are not in a great place. I think that tweet proves the point very well, yet I would still be, of course, I, I hope that a Democrat wins the White House again. But it it also, without a shadow of a doubt, would be much, if a Democrat does not win, would be much better for the country if Liz Cheney was president than if Ron DeSantis was president or if Donald Trump was president again. And so we've come to that place when a party, as you perfectly said, Adrian, when a party has been supporting morally bankrupt policies for so long, refuses to support any piece of legislation that just gets us more towards a place of equality in a nation that is supposed to be based on equality. Something you think we would have achieved decades ago, maybe a century or two ago, and we still cannot ascend to, then yeah, we are just a tiny stone's throw away and have already been hit by that stone when we now have people in power that take that as the base and go one step further and be like, well, look, we're already on board for not supporting equality. We're already on board for not doing basic things just to make sure that there's a level playing field in this country. Why don't we go one step further and not even let people's votes count? What if we can go one step further and try to overturn a totally legitimate election with complete lies because they've already fostered this this baseline of chaos, this baseline of disinformation so strong that nobody knows what to make of anything that is said on that side of the aisle. 
and we keep looking at it as though it's an equally valid opinion, as though it's an equally valid side of this of this political debate in our country, and it is not. And that's where we sit now is that we're hoping a Cheney comes and saves the day. Wow, not a great place to be. No, not at all. As far as I'm concerned, Trump, DeSantis, individuals like them are very much just like a cannibal. And Cheney is a cannibal who uses fork and knife. Some people would call that progress. As far as I'm concerned, the problem is still there. So Classy cannibalism, classy yeah. cannibalism, let's do it. <laughs> oh God, now you're starting to sound like Army Hammer. Oh, what, too <laughs> soon, too soon? That's right, we will be back very soon. As Dr. Richie says, stick and stay. Although I'm not even sure, honestly, the point of therapy with the world as it is now, you know? We're living in a post-truth era of fake news on an anti-science, eroding democracy on a crumbling planet. I'm not sure my issues rank high on the list. It's like, Ben, the planet's becoming uninhabitable and our leaders are corrupt idiots, but let's talk about your sleeping in. Is that the issue you sleep in? So it's important, you know, it's good to analyze your life. Analysis is good, but don't overdo it. Don't worry about it too much. If analysis were that important, it wouldn't be made up of the words anal and ISIS. <laughs> that was hysterical, Ben. Uh, tell us all about your special. Thank you, Adrian. Uh, it is live now from Helium Comedy Studios on their YouTube page. You can get it by just searching The Mad King, Ben Glebe, The Mad King on YouTube, or just Ben Glebe Special. Should be at the top result right there. Um, it's a special I've been working on for six years since my first special, which debuted on Showtime. And this time I didn't even try to pitch it to any networks or any streamers because I wanted this thing to be able to be seen by the masses. And I'm talking about a lot of issues that are the hot button issues that are dividing us today and give us a chance to laugh at the hypocrisies that are dividing our nation. But already a few days into the release, it's been shadow banned. The channel that normally gets huge views for similar specials, I'm getting very little views because of the topics that I'm talking about. We have pretty much rampant censorship already happening in this country and they're not letting us discuss the issues of the day as these major corporations erode what our country stands for. They're not even letting us speak out about that. And so I hope people go watch, share with their own social networks, leave comments and tell people to watch it because the powers that control these platforms are not are kind of squelching and suppressing at the moment. So. Please do go watch because I've been working too hard on this thing and there's some really interesting things. That you, I mean, you're gonna laugh for an hour while, while being made to think about the world. So I hope people do get a chance to watch it. Yes, and I very much do too, especially uh, people out there, they need to hear it. And if they can hear it, especially and laugh a little bit or maybe even just through the vein of comedy, that is such an incredibly important thing. So thank you for putting that out there. And I recommend everybody run and see it. Look up Mad King, YouTube, go get it. Thanks. All right, now let me jump on some of the things y'all got to say. So first off, about the jury convicting the cop who the previous prosecutor wouldn't charge. Well, Mickey see the silver haired dragon says, how disgusting is policing in this country? When we see the story about a black man being unjustly abused and our reaction is, thank goodness he wasn't shot. Yeah, that's the standards are really low. For fat guy named Tiny, we need to start passing laws to tie police settlements to pension funds. Oh yeah, I agree. Uh, that's the only way we will see serious reform take root at the cultural level. Hell yeah, exactly. They will think twice before they pull a gun, before they pull you over and decide to detain you and treat you in a dehumanized way, without a doubt. 
as far as the new video showing that the Chicago cops lied about the man that they shot and killed. It was still in the holster and the cops shot him. That's what Lee Richardson said. Izzy Omega says, if we say armed enough, maybe they'll ignore that we straight up murdered someone on the street. Yeah, that's right. That whole thing of he was acting in a way similar to someone who would draw a gun. Yeah, he was black, acting black. I think that that's what they were communicating. Um, Roses in August says, but they don't do that for white gun carriers. It doesn't matter how erratic the behavior, how unhinged the threatening, how unhinged and threatening. White gun carriers typically don't get killed in the presence of police. You are absolutely correct about that. As far as Liz Cheney losing primary elections and teasing that POTUS run. Well, Melanie D44 says, just because a person does a few good things or does the right thing once in a while doesn't make you a good person. Exactly, the bar is so damn low for the GOP, but I, I will not be giving out flowers anytime soon. For Mandela Laser One says, then maybe she should have voted for the effing voting rights bill. Exactly, and now I kind of like to think maybe Wyoming wasn't voting for her because she was voting on the line with Trump 93% of the time, but I know that's not the case. I am Socks as if Liz Cheney joins the Ford party, I'm going to laugh for a week, yeah, for real. Rebel Dragon adds, she wants the GOP to go back to hiding their corruption and secrets instead of having it all out in the open, exactly. That's right, let's keep it to the new racism. Let's not be so explicit about it. That sounds like it is exactly what she would prefer because it's classier. And speaking of classy, let's talk about a Karen. Yeah. You wanna call the police on them for having a barbecue on a Sunday? You must feel free, back off. I'm gonna tell them there's an African American man threatening my life. Where's the world? Yeah, she needs a whole lot more than a ride. Um, despite Ben's special, I think this is where therapy would be necessary. Yeah, this is, uh, by the way, a throwback <laughs> from a Karen in Toronto. Uh, essentially, this woman, yeah, she had her freak out. I'm very scared, Ben. I mean, people were lining up to give this gem a ride. They were excited. How can I get her in my vehicle? This adult baby throwing a tantrum on the side. She's already kicked off of the bus. Maybe take a minute, go for a walk. You can't use your legs, you clearly can use your throat pretty good. We're just in this place where people are so entitled and they think that when they misbehave, the best response is to triple down and scream about how you're being punished for your misbehavior is an injustice at the top of their lungs. So many of these Karens just scream at the top of their lungs, literally like a baby throwing a tantrum. I'm so curious how the rest of her day went. Do you think she then dusted off and said, listen, I maybe I overreacted and then started jogging? Or do you think she just cried the whole way home? Um, I think it really depends kind of what that intake specialist at the local psych ward did. <laughs> so I think that they generally dictate how the rest of their day goes, whether she yes. had the jello or the, like the fruit cup. Um, but the bus fare for her was 5150. There you go. Yes, I like that. Although it's funny, I actually just learned that um, people use different numbers 
in different states because I was kind of maybe under the impression that 5150 was universal. Um, but apparently it's not, they call we it- We can't even thing. standardize crazy. We have yeah. our own specialized brand of crazy it's in every weird. state across this varied land. It's one of the beauties of America. Yeah, and I think it's absolutely and totally wild. Oof. All right, let's go ahead and move on to this next story here. What we have essentially a drunk homophobe Karen. She was featured on Indisputable back in April, and here's a reminder of her chaos. I'm fine, guess what? I will park here. Hey, what's up? My name is Evan Berryhill, and I will park here. I pay the same amount as rent. I'm sorry that I don't. I prefer eating out. Imagine that. Imagine that. Imagine that, yeah, I get more than you. That sucks. Yeah, that does suck. Oh my God, I don't get any. I'm not hot as all. I'm. Um, if you touch me one more time, I'm gonna have video evidence that I okay, can- Okay, video this. You're a need to learn that equality is what I got. How are you any better than me? What a disgrace that y'all next to me, imagine that. And you're, and you're, God damn, what a disgrace to America. <laughs> Go Trump. Yep, Republican all the way, baby. I'm sorry, not sorry that I'm not a Joe Biden fan. Oh, we're not. How do y'all like pain? Joe Biden? No, we don't like oh, Joe Biden. Oh, oh, yeah, I'm like Joe Biden. Yeah, so this couple, Taylor and Charles, well, they elaborated in an on-screen text of the TikTok upload that they were taking out trash when Karen sped through the parking lot and almost hit them. Will we gross you out enough to move over space? No, I'm not gonna move over. How is that, tell me how that, okay, look, record this. How is it fair that I'm paying the same amount of money? How's it fair? Fair, right? Fair. How's it fair? I'm. Pa- I don't. How's it fair? I don't live with anybody. How is it you fair? guys are together. Oh, it's I don't fair. live with anybody. Oh, that's our problem, Hal. And the fact that we're. <laughs> what does that have to do with? Oh, it? I don't give a. F- that y'all are. Videos of you. I've got no, recordings okay. of you saying. <laughs> these. Well, y'all live are. Right y'all are. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. Y'all are. Got you. I've got you on. Video. I know. Your you're friends wearing, getting you're tired. Belly buttering and booty shorts, like. And you know what? I don't care. You know why I'm holding this double space? Because my neighbor actually has to work. I'm like, y'all, let me guess. Y'all are on an. On, on. Yeah, well, there's been developments. Evan Noel uh, Barry Hill, 28, is now accused of assault because of bias and or prejudice. Yeah, that's right. That's a hate crime. And this is all in connection with that incident that's per Tom Green County Sheriff's Office. And there is her booking photo. So after the incident, Barry Hill, who's the owner of a Texas Angels boutique in San Angelo, Texas, had posted a clearly insincere apology video and it was eventually taken down. And Barry Hill reportedly had been receiving death threats and doesn't have the money to hire a lawyer, bummer. So according to Law and Crime, well, Barry Hill was booked into the Tom Green County Detention Center on Monday, August 
8th and then quickly released after posting a $1,000 bond. And according to the advocate, the couple targeted in the video, which reportedly spans 14 minutes in its entirety, were originally hesitant to press charges until Barry Hill returned later in the night to cover their door and vehicles with offensive post-it notes, including some that said that very biased F word. Yeah, Taylor shared some of those post-its on Facebook, as you can see here. And so Taylor and Charles also experienced death threats and further homophobic ridicule when they were trying to tell their story. Charles, who had filmed the encounter, well, he told the advocate, quote, I'm from Dallas, which is conservative, but less conservative than San Angelo. My partner is from San Angelo and never in their life has it been this bad. Yeah, that sounds absolutely right. People feel that they can weaponize their hate, whether it comes in the form of homophobia, racism, sexism. But definitely this MAGA crowd has unleashed the hate. And a lot of people out there feel it's completely okay to denigrate and attack people that they don't know. It's it's extremely disheartening. Ben. Well, she went barreling through a parking lot while clearly being one of the drunkest I've ever seen. I mean, she was just blasted there, not even making full sentences or making full sense. But even when that drunk, you can see her incredible white privilege just oozing out of her mouth, making not even any sense, saying equality, you want equality is what I got. Equality is what I got. That's exactly the problem is that you think just because you have equality to what? To other white people, the problem is solved. How about to other white straight people? How about equality for the LGBTQ community? How about equality for people of other races? How about equality for people of different backgrounds than you? It doesn't cross into her mind. She somehow failed as though she was being persecuted because why? She was being asked to move her car to not take up two spots. Her counter argument to that was the very brilliant argument of, I have two spots because I'm one person. Which you'd think would require one spot and the other two had two spots. The only bit of poetic justice in this whole thing is that she was taken to the Tom Green Detention Center. Named after apparently one of the great comedians for street awkward encounters. I feel like all Karen should be taken into a drunk tank or an anger tank sponsored by Tom Green. I think that's the move and maybe the justice all Karens can serve. Just detox with Tom Green for a couple hours with a microphone covered in feces. How does that sound? Now, Ben, I'm I'm kind of young, so I don't know who Tom Green is. Can Can you tell me, is he from your generation? Stop. You're being sarcastic. My God, I love Tom Green. You love him too, right? All right, it's time to go to a commercial (laughs) break. Thank you all. Um, As Dr. Mitchie says, stick and stay. Welcome back to Indisputable, it is Adrian Lawrence. And as always, I love to hear from you all. So let's go ahead and check out what you all are saying. So about the anti-masker Karen who goes irate after being kicked off the bus. Well, LaRocco says, literally trying to scare up a ride. Yeah, that's exactly what happens. The last time I checked, nobody was down for that as far as- I I'm want concerned. a ride! <laughs> Toolman1051 says, the lack of oxygen is not from the mask, but from the screaming. Sounds right. Bernie the Kiwi Dragon with the five pound contribution, thank you. Was the judge doomed from Roger Rabbit melting again? I guess so. 
Mickey, see this over here, Dragon. I expected that woman to start speaking in tongues. Yeah, something's wrong. As far as the update on the homophobic Texas Karen getting the hate crime charges, Tyler Hackner said, no wonder she lives alone. Who'd want to be with her? I, I, I don't know so much if that's the issue, but I, I definitely think that she's got some problems. And the thing is, it turns out that she's also married. So yeah. Anyway, so for Primus says, ask Trump if he can help you hire a lawyer, Karen. Please, Trump can't even find his own lawyers. As far as Fiddle and Nero says, I first thought Anna Kendrick sure has fallen on hard times. I'm guessing it's the sound of the voice as opposed to anything Anna Kendrick has done, let's hope. But um, well, we definitely know that there is more to a story that we initially saw sometime back in June as it concerns the NBA. And there's a woman named Kareem McKnight, she was dragged off the court during the game because she was protesting abortion access. And it turns out that the paramedics drugged her after she was already being restrained. something in your system without your knowledge or approval is just insane to me. And this activist here, McKnight, well, she plans to sue the city of San Francisco for violating her civil rights for the unlawful injection of that sedative. And I completely support her as far as I'm concerned. And I doubt that this is something that happens to everyone. But I do hope that the EMS is keeping some kind of log of these things. But what we definitely know so far is according to the Associated press and the research that they've done. So San Francisco's policy on dealing with adults with severe agitation posing a danger to self or others allows for the use of the drug mitazolam, a short acting sedative sold under the brand name Verse, according to the county's emergency medical services protocols. The San Francisco Fire Department wouldn't say when the county approved the sedative to be used on people being detained or how many times the sedative has been used on detainees. Both the San Francisco Police and Fire Department referred all questions to the city attorney. And well, we did get to hear from another attorney who happens to be McKnight's attorney. And they said that the worst part of giving her the injection was that she was strapped to a gurney at the time, handcuffed and therefore was not a danger to herself or anyone else. Her attorney John Burris said this and you know, she's admitted that he's never seen police sedating a fully restrained protester throughout his four decades as an attorney. 
That is so incredibly poignant because I don't think that this happens often at all. But when it comes to black people, I wouldn't be surprised if this is a regular. This incident really does conjure up memories of the 2019 death of Elijah McClain. You know, many will remember that he was stopped by the Denver PD, who then called paramedics. That gave him one and a half times the dose of a very strong sedative called ketamine. And the thing is, he ended up dying. He went into cardiac arrest, the very young man. He was later declared brain dead. His life was taken from him. When people are injecting things into others that they do not know, and they don't know whether they're going to respond to them in a way such that it could endanger their lives. And especially in a circumstance like this, where she was already detained and handcuffed. No, no, there will be lawyers and rightfully so, Ben. We're just so twisted in this country now on so many of the key issues, even beyond issues, the core of what this country is supposed to be. We are based as a country that is supposed to protect your right to protest. Let alone protest things that are so egregious as rights being taken away, long standing rights being stripped away. And so you pause for a few minutes of basketball game, but that's all that matters because the commerce matters more. Get the ticket sales, get the merch flowing, get the beer sales going again. God forbid should somebody take 20 seconds out of the, the, the onslaught of all of that to say maybe we shouldn't be stripping rights away. So they drag her off the court, okay, the game has to go on, fine. They put her on a gurney, they restrain her, they handcuff her. Mind boggling to ever inject somebody like you said, Adrian, against their will if they were not restrained. But restrained and cuffed on a gurney, it's egregious. It seems like it is just punitive, like it is coming from some sort of nefarious purpose beyond that. It's entirely wild that this is even possible. And the fact that San Francisco allows it, they need to take another look at those laws. Yeah. I would have more to say on it, but the San Francisco Emergency Services visited me a few minutes ago and I'm getting a little sleepy. Yikes. Well, you know, speaking of taking a look at laws and nefarious purposes, it makes me think of abortion laws. And we can turn to Louisiana and Baton Rouge, where there's a mother who is forced to make an unthinkable decision of either carrying her baby to term, even though the doctors tell her that her child will not survive, or to go to another state like Florida to have an abortion. This woman, Nancy Davis, and here she is pictured, is 13 weeks pregnant with her second child, but the top of the child's skull, it's not developed. It's, it's completely missing. And Davis was told, uh, quote, uh, or she's told uh, WAFB9 that it's hard knowing that, you know, I'm carrying it to bury it. That's right, because Davis got her first ultrasound at Women's Hospital when she was 10 weeks pregnant. She and her boyfriend were excited to welcome their new baby, but soon learned that the pregnancy would not go as planned. Davis says her baby was diagnosed with a crania, a rare and fatal condition where the baby's skull uh, fails to form in the womb. And according to health experts, babies with this condition only survive minutes to hours after birth. But because Davis's life was not in danger and the baby's condition doesn't fall under Louisiana Department of Health's list of qualifying conditions, she was denied an abortion. Yeah, that's right. And that list includes some 24 congenital disorders and chromosomal abnormalities, abnormalities and also a catch-all exception. But the thing is, is that you're gonna have mothers like this in positions where they are carrying it to bury it when they could simply be provided with the necessary health care, which would be an abortion. Ben. I mean, is there any better evidence that we have abortion laws and exceptions to these draconian laws being 
crafted by people that don't know what they're talking about. That they came up with a list of 14 or whatever it is conditions that didn't include half of the skull is missing. They didn't think that is one that should be on the list of an allowable abortion in a state that at least still allows due to some abnormalities, some abortions in certain restricted cases still. And she is now faced with such a difficult choice to have to take a trip out of state, take time off of work presumably to go and have a medical procedure not in the state where she lives because they won't accommodate something so obvious, a child that will be dead, that is doomed to that. And if there's any other more added difficulty to this, she also has to think about whether she even wants to go to Florida, which nobody should want to do. <laughs> and so she has that as well. You gotta go do all this and you gotta step into Florida, a lawless death state, as I like to refer to it, the penis of America. So there's that. Yeah. And and the thing is, it's like, you know, who knows if she even has the money to travel to Florida, all the things that are gonna be involved. Also, the thing is, is it it can be quite emotional. Like she had mentioned that she and her boyfriend were looking forward to the baby. So having to even go through the abortion process can be emotional. And we don't necessarily know if her boyfriend has the financial assets to be able to travel as well. It's just there's so many things that just scream. Why can't Louisiana, why can't states provide and offer people the health care that they need? But hey, this is the United States of America. And, and clearly, it, yeah. It also just shows yet again how this issue is not what these right wing white male politicians purport it to be. She doesn't even state what her opinion is on abortion. She wanted this baby. She just has a circumstance where the baby is going to die. It's effectively already dead on arrival. And she's being denied the ability to take something that is developing incorrectly and not into a viable human life already at 13 weeks. And that's the laws. Even people who are saying we want a baby, they claim oh, it's to stop people from being irresponsible. It's to stop people from using abortion as birth control. They wanted this child, they will try again. But she's being forced to go through this traumatic situation because our country has lost its way. Yeah, wow, shucks. I would say it was never knew where it's going. I think it's actually going reverse, but without a doubt, absolutely. And the thing is, remember, she's gonna have to give birth to this baby. So all of the costs and expenses associated with that on top of it, it's just wrong through and through. But as Dr. Richie says, stick and stay. Word on the street, Jared Kushner out here dry snitching on Donald Trump. Let me give you some background. During an appearance on MSNBC on Sunday afternoon, Donald Trump's niece, Mary Trump, claimed there are multiple reasons to believe that Jared Kushner is in fact the FBI informant working with the Justice Department before the Mar-a-Lago search possibly to avoid a criminal investigation of his own. I'm going to give you some background to her sentiment. And right now I'm about 80% there. I think she's onto something, there's more. Agreeing with former Trump lawyer, Michael Cohen, that there was something suspicious about the fact that there was no hint with the DOJ or that the DOJ is scrutinizing Kushner's $2 billion business deal with the Saudis. 
The ex-president's niece said that should raise red flags for her uncle. Now, Michael Cohen, if anybody knows what it's like to snitch, Michael Cohen absolutely qualifies. There's more background to this and it's quite fascinating. We need to look at the potential pool of people which would be very, very small that would benefit from, potentially benefit from the documents that Donald allegedly stole, she suggested. You have to look seriously at Jared Kushner in that instance because first of all, he was not supposed to get security clearance and that decision by top security professionals was overridden. Now, if you remember, Jared Kushner was in fact a White House staff member and advisor to the president. They made him director of American innovation. Ever heard of that office before? Of course not, because it didn't exist before he arrived. They created a position for him. It was established just so he can fill it, not accept a salary. And then when he left, the position ended. There is no more position known as director of American innovation. So this is quite interesting. A known capitalist who inherited all of his business wealth because his father committed fraud, lands a job in the White House, decides to not accept a salary. And you think he did this out of the goodness of his heart, of course not. He's playing an economic game here, creating economic gain for himself. There's more. He served as a senior advisor to the 45th president, Donald Trump, his father-in-law. Since leaving the White House, Kushner founded a group called Affinity Partners. What does Affinity Partners do? It is a private equity firm that basically controls nothing but Saudi government money. That's all it does. That's his job, period. There's more. Kushner is the son of the former real estate developer, Charles Kushner. Some of you may remember that name. Obviously, he's married to Ivanka Trump, former President Trump's daughter and also a government advisor at one point. As a result of Kushner's father's conviction and incarceration for fraud, Kushner took over management of his father's real estate company called Kushner Companies, which launched his business career. He literally got his start because his daddy was convicted of fraud. My point to you is this, Kushner is a transactional capitalist prone to corruption leader, just like Donald Trump is, okay? All right, which launched his business career. He also stirred controversy for his conflicts of interest as he continued to engage in business, even profiting from policy proposals that he himself pushed within the administration. Kushner was unable to obtain a top secret security clearance until May 2018 when Trump decided to intervene and override the intelligence agencies. Whoa, so you have a guy, a known capitalist, somebody who inherited a company because corruption runs in his family. He marries the president's daughter before he's president. He gets a cushy job in the White House, not accepting the salary. And what does he do? Well, he positions himself to make more money. As soon as he's no longer in the White House, he's controlling money for Saudi. And then there's this entanglement between Trump and the Saudi government. I mean, yeah, it's starting to look like he possibly has a reason 
to dry snitch. Now the Lincoln Project, a group of Republicans who are anti Donald Trump, once again did a remarkable commercial. I played it last week and guess what? I'm going to play it again, here it is. Who was it, Donald? Who gave you up to the feds? Who squealed? Who told them what you kept in a safe at Mar-a-Lago? No, not that stuff. Disgusting. The classified documents. 15 boxes of top secret files. That's naughty, Donald. And illegal. You broke the law. No wonder the Department of Justice and the FBI came knocking. They're coming for you. But who leaked? Who sold you out? Was it Jared? I'm grateful. Ivanka? You're backing away from you. Don Jr.? Your own son. Eric? Do you even care? Melania? She wants to escape. Mark Meadows? Who did it? All your old Washington friends are talking to the 1-6 committee and the grand jury. They weren't your friends. Maybe it was someone closer. Who could it be? Someone you trusted. Betrayed. Now you're the first president to have his home raided by the FBI. This is your legacy. It's bad, Donald. Your father would be ashamed. And there's no one you can trust. No one. No one at all. There never was. Yeah. You know, Donald Trump is a sore unto this nation. He's a dark spot. He's antithetical to the potential that this nation actually has. But he is a reflection of the reality of this country. Remember, Donald Trump is a product of sentiment. That sentiment is there if Trump exist or not. All right, Sharon, thoughts on this? Well, you said a lot. You said a whole lot, Dr. Ritchie. And I, on face value, well, I have to agree with you, right? Everything you said about Jared Kushner. But I think Mary Trump's comments might be a little unfair here because we haven't considered one thing. His father went to federal prison, a prison camp conspiracy, tax evasion, that does something, I'd imagine, to a son who never got over that. So it could be horribly unfair to point the finger at Jared, particularly when everybody knows Ivanka's probably the real one dropping a dime and Melania's probably also forwarding information to the feds. The point is when you have so many enemies, so many enemies, Dr. Ritchie, they all could be on a party line giving him up, who knows? It really could be that serious, but that's what happens when you get into the White House. Everybody is new, just like your money, new money. And no one has real loyalty to you and you tick everybody off. Yeah, and he's done it intentionally. It's not as if he you know, fumbled into bad relationships. He absolutely created bad relationships with individuals himself. We're gonna continue to follow what I think is an interesting angle. Uh, and multiple people are coming out with various theories about who actually tipped off the federal government. Let's get it, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the bullpen. Yeah, he's back. We have uh, Mr. Rick Green, founder of PatriotAcademy.com. He's a former Texas state representative, national speaker, author, and actually a pretty damn good radio host. Rick, <laughs> good to have you on representative, how are you? Hey, Dr. Richie, great to be back with you. All Appreciate right, man. So we're gonna talk about teachers having guns or arming teachers in the school. And also maybe the backdrop of the Supreme Court's ruling as it relates to guns in New York. I don't want to 
presume what you believe about that topic or those topics. So if you would give us your sentiment and sir, I would then opine. Yeah, I, th- I think uh, you know. Of course, I certainly agree with the Bruin decision, as you probably might guess. I, I think uh, Clarence Thomas laid it out incredibly well: the the history of the Second Amendment, why it's so important, why individuals need the right to keep and bear arms, why the most important uh, way to resist sudden violence and stop these uh, the carnage of these mass murder events or any other uh, violence like that is uh, for proximity to have someone that is a a good person with a gun to be able to stop that bad person with a gun. And I, and I think that was the whole point of the Bruin case was saying, you don't just have a right to have a gun in your home. Uh, Second Amendment guarantees your right to keep and bear arms. You wanna make sure you have that weapon with you when unfortunately the carnage begins and you can stop that carnage just like what happened in Indiana just a few days ago. Thankfully that uh, young 22 year old had his had his handgun with him. Uh, it obviously was more than what uh, a lot of folks wanna limit in magazine capacities. And because of that, he was able to stop the threat in 15 seconds and save maybe a hundred lives. I mean, this uh, this lunatic had uh, you know, the, obviously the will and the desire and the ability to kill a lot of people that day in that mall. Thankfully, an armed citizen was there to stop that threat. Okay, and let me get you on record for what you believe about teachers being armed in schools. Yeah, I don't think we should require it of every teacher, but I think we should absolutely allow for a teacher that's willing to get the training. I'm a big proponent of training, as you as you know. I don't think you just hand guns out to everybody and say good luck. Yeah. I think training is vitally important, and so I think a, a teacher or a custodian or a, a principal or any other uh, someone working in the cafeteria, any adult that's willing to get the training uh, should be able to carry. And, and and if that was allowed, you would have more people on campus armed in proximity when something like Uvalde happens inside the classroom. Uh, ready to stop that threat immediately. When you do that, you save lives. When you have a gun-free zone, it it means people are gonna lose their lives. That's just the the evidence we've seen. All right, so let me first talk about one of the dynamics you brought up in reference to a 22 year old who was in lawful carry um, of a firearm was able to stop uh, an additional murder in my opinion. Okay, I agree with you on that. Uh, But here's the thing, we're talking about policy. Right, there's always going to be a nuance to policy conversation. For example, uh, you know, there are a certain amount of people every year they die because they wore a seatbelt, okay, because the seatbelt was on them. However, the policy is that the vast majority of individuals who wear a seatbelt will have their lives saved. And just because a few people will die, unfortunately, every year because they had a seatbelt on and it created a complication during the accident. That does not negate the good policy sense of enforcing seatbelt laws because seatbelts do save way more people under that policy. So here's the point I wanna make to you. I would prefer to have a societal construct where we do not have a culture that's gun heavy. The fact that we have so much access to guns and artillery creates a problematic dynamic where individuals like you say, well, the only way to solve it is with more guns. Well, that's the problem in the first case, that's your policy issue. And let me go to the ruling of the United States Supreme Court in the New York case. Clarence Thomas Thomas writes that this was a dynamic of self-defense. He put it in his summary. And I was really surprised by this from Justice Thomas. So let me ask you this question before I continue. Do you believe that Bearing arms is a requirement based on a self-defense protocol in America. Do you believe that? Uh, absolutely, yes. And and okay. I, I think our biggest disagreement would be on your premise that it's the presence of guns 
that causes people to commit crime. It's the heart of man that, that causes people to commit crime. It's the depravity of man or middle illness or all of those, okay. well, all well, of those not, factors. Why not allow it to be legal to have grenades then? I think it should be legal to have grenades. Oh, I, you I, say, okay. I, I, I want to have a, a grenade, legal. but that, but, you, but, but yeah, wait, you said- Wait a minute, wait a minute, you said something the, interesting here. Maybe you got some it's linear the logic. Yeah, right. yeah, it's the nuance of the policy, so as you said, you, that's, go ahead, sorry. You believe that it's okay for people to have artillery, that's military grade weapon artillery, because artillery doesn't really impact societal elements. It's just the heart of man, right? I don't just believe that, that that was the original intent of the Constitution. Well, let's talk about the original intent of the Constitution. Let's, I'm glad you brought me back to that. Yeah. Uh, so Justice Thomas writes that this is basically constitutional uh, and what New York did was unconstitutional because of the need of self-defense that's constitutional, constitutionally determined. Sir, can you do me one favor? Can you find in the Constitution for me, where does it say that bearing arms is for self-defense? Uh, right there in the Second Amendment, that the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed, and and that's necessary for the security of a free state. So you need a well-regulated but militia necessary no, no, no. for the it security says of a free state. Well-regulated militia. So what I'm asking you to do is yep. very simple. Mm-hmm. Can you find in the Constitution for me? Maybe I'm ignorant of it. Can you show me where it says that your right to bear arms is an illumination? of your right of self-defense, individual yes. defense. Can you find that for me in the Constitution? Yes, 100%. Yes, uh, so as, as you know, Dr. Ritchie, as yeah. Jefferson said, on any question of construction in terms of the Constitution, trying to figure out what does it say and mean, carry yourself back to the time, Jefferson said, to when it was actually put into the Constitution and listen to the people that put it in the Constitution as they explain what it what it was intended to do and, and what it meant. And so. All of the founding fathers, I can show you, I've got a whole book of quotes from the founding fathers saying that that's exactly what the second amendment was about. Resistance to sudden violence, they called it the first law of nature, the right of self defense. And it was something you could not give up to society, even if you would, because you wanna protect your family. I wanna protect my family and having that ability to have that arm was essential. And so that's why they put it in the second amendment the way that they did. That's really interesting because James Madison, who adopted the language from Virginia, by the way, James Madison and other constitutional framers said that they wanted to stop the creation of a national army. Are you not aware of that? Well, that doesn't have anything to do with this individual right to keep and bear arms. The the right to keep and bear arms was not just for- The constitution never said it was an individual right based on self-defense. My point to you is- No, but it does. It, we, it absolutely no, it doesn't say self-defense. That, that's why it says you, you you have to read the text of the Constitution and read the words of the people that put it into the Constitution. Wait a minute, so dear brother, you're talking what about part of the right of the people. Now, what now, part of the right of the people that, confuses you? Okay, who is are that the, people? In the Constitution? Hold on, wait a minute, sir. Are you telling me that you are using what's called secondary documents in order to interpret the primary document of the U.S. Constitution? Is that yeah. what you're saying? I'm 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 saying that you're using the intent of the people that wrote those words. Mm-hmm. You have to know what they meant by that, and the only way to do that is to read their writings, read their debates. What did they say at the time that they adopted the amendment? If it wasn't an individual right to keep arms, why would they say the right of the people? And then, mm-hmm. as you fast forward throughout history, I know I know sometimes you accuse us us conservatives well, wait a minute. being before, so gun happy. I'm gonna let you make that point. Okay. I promise. Okay. All right. Who are the people they're referring to? Every every citizen in the nation. No, sir. Once every again, citizen in the nation, sir, specifically sir, at that time. Once again, you said, sir, on my show just now, mm-hmm. you have to go back to the original intent of the authors based on what they said they meant during that time. That's right. You make a point. You said they say this is for the protection of the people. 
who were the people they were referring to? Every man that could fire a rifle, every man no, that sir. could, could grab that musket off the mantle and march out and men, defend the sir. community. They meant white men only because it was illegal for women to bear arms. It was illegal for black folks to bear arms. It was illegal not, not for everybody free, else. Not a free black in the north, but that's the now. Okay, here's where sir. you have to, sir. You have to absolutely look the at the whole history, you. Dr. Ritchie. Go Why ahead. do you think people like me that are conservative Republicans are, are so passionate about this right? Because mm -hmm. if you go back to the 1860s, it was the Republicans fighting the racist Democrats and the KKK in the South and defending against lynchings. That's why the right of the people to keep and bear arms was so important. If you had a firearm to defend yourself in the South, white or black, if you were a Republican, you could prevent yourself from being lynched. 4,712 lynchings, 25% of them were white. Something so we I want you to understand much. this. But I those people not. had to have the right to keep and bear arms. Okay, That's why we're brother. so passionate about this because Republicans have been fighting the racist Democrats for almost oh well, well over a century and a half now. Okay, so now you're gaslighting, but I got plenty of artillery for you, verbally speaking. Those are just facts. Uh, uh, hold on, brother. But that, I, I'm actually a black person. I don't know if you knew that or not. <laughs> uh, so there Wait, is me. no coincidence that virtually 100% of known white supremacists and members of the KKK subscribe to the Republican Party. No, 99 no Democrat point. Party. You're, oh, you're exactly. Look at the congressional sir. record. Sir, the KKK sir, I'm, was I'm going a part to ask of the Democrat you, Party. You know I'm this. I'm going to ask you to be respectful of my rebuttal. To your commentary. Okay, but right? do you know that history Virtually, of the KKK? Sir, of course I know that history of the KKK and I don't you give know a they damn. Were Democrats. Sir, I am a black man in America. I don't give a damn what party affiliation racist ass white people used to have. I don't because all of them, sir, all of them were racist as hell on the spectrum, all of them. And I can make an argument today that all of them are still racist on the spectrum. But my point to you is, it is no coincidence that today, where we're living at right now in America, that virtually 100% of all known white nationalists and members of the KKK are in fact subscribers to the Republican Party and the I'm, conservative movement. But let me go back okay, to my okay, original wait, wait, point. Wait, wait, I gotta respond Sir, to just two quick things You will, on that. You'll, you'll respond. I'm okay. trying to get back to the original okay. point. All right. The original point was, when the framers of the Constitution referred to we the people, they were not referring to the diversity of America. They were not referring even to the context of America at that time. They did not include women. They did not include people of color. They did not even include white men who did not own property. In order to participate in democracy during the framing of the Constitution and beyond in that short frame of time, you had to be a white male that owned property. So this was not a democracy rooted in some kind of holy doctrine that we have come to adopt as true and legendary today. These individuals created a document based on their own bias and based on their own prejudice and based on their own beliefs. They were trying to create an empire that they could rule and run and reign over. So when you tell me that this was written in a way to suggest that they meant for all people in America, that's contrary to their own writings and that's contrary to the interpretation that they used during the era. So sir, tell me where I'm wrong when I say when they wrote we the people, they did not have me in mind. Well, I don't I don't disagree with you that there were differences in terms of what applied to whom back then, but just you you don't seem to care about the history on who was what or who did what. If you don't if you don't care about about who were the racists a hundred years ago or even fifty no, years I ago. I don't care what who was holding white to. only primaries. It was Democrats, not Republicans. So sir, if that doesn't matter. And you're to correct you, on that. Then why brother, should it matter to you? Is this whole 
um, separation because of parties. My point is, I don't care what party they belong to. Okay. If they're racist, they're racist. That's Agreed. Point. Uh, agreed. You agreed. But I have to respond okay. to your spectrum comment Go because ahead. how can you possibly say that white Republicans that were willing to die in the South to expand the rights of the Constitution to all Americans, to make sure that we did become a more perfect union? How can you say that they were racist? If they were willing to be lynched yeah. in order, these were whites. 25% uh, of the lynchings were whites. Are you saying those are racist? That they no, were willing to, to die? Respond. Allow me to respond. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about who the individuals were that actually did fight for, let's say, the freedom movements of the 60s, um, who were on those freedom rides with individuals like uh, Congressman John Lewis, or, or those people who beat uh, the late Congressman John Lewis on the Edmund Pettus Bridge. Yeah, uh, it is very clearly defined, not simply in a political construct, but in a social, uh, even Christian movement. That it was Christian evangelicals who stood, white Christian evangelicals who stood against Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. They subscribed and, to and a conservative ideology. Say that yeah. again. And some that stood with him too, right? I mean, it, oh, sir, sir, that's very, why I, that's very what his letter few. from the Birmingham jail was so good at. Very. It called out the white pastors that were not standing with sir, him. And I, I think he was the right. The reason why that was newsworthy is because it was rare. The vast majority Agreed. of Christian evangelicals subscribed to In a the Republican South. ideology and they stood against freedom movements for black people. But we I'm just talking about the 1860s, of, you're going back to the 1960s. Yeah, well, I'm going back to the reality of, of the complexity that yeah. revolves around racism in America. Okay. No, good point, Party, but I was trying to show why the second amendment was important and, and, and important to all I'm Americans. I'm not saying it's not important, I, I'm saying important. it's problematic. And the reason why I say it's problematic is because when the second amendment was written, one, it wasn't written for the level of artillery that we have. It wasn't written for the people because they did not have me in mind or women in mind. They didn't even have uh, poor white people in mind. But it covers uh, you now. I mean, what about right now? What's your problem okay, hold with on, the Second Amendment me, right allow now? Me, allow me to finish. Okay, sorry. And when the Second Amendment was written, remember, the most complex piece of uh, weaponry uh, was basically a single shot. Uh, and hopefully you can reload it quickly. And some of them even had a knife at the end of it, all right? So it was written in that context, okay? So we're trying to take uh, this very antiquated uh, Second Amendment dynamic, apply it to individual standards when it wasn't written for that because they did not have all individuals in mind. They had certain individuals in mind, but they did not have all individuals in mind. And what you wanna do is put it into a modern context without revamping, reshaping, refurbishing whatsoever. It doesn't make sense. Because you have just admitted it was not written for me. But see, here's the here's the difference in our thinking on this. Okay, it, it, is is that these these things were written in the Constitution were written based on principles mm, that principles. could then apply to wow. everyone. So it's the same with the right to vote, right? Should okay. we we just disparage the right to vote because we expanded it to women and minorities that the majority then expanded it to? Women and minorities? No, we say okay. They did the best they could at that time but remember, in the whole there's an actual world. Expansion. This was the situation of the whole world, not just America. It's this in the, the Constitution, sir. On the whole planet, it's expanded so, in the Constitution. So let me ask you this question: you Aren't you glad it voting. was expanded to now, where you can carry a firearm and defend yourself, like yes, I can, sir. all of us? Sir, this is a simple question. Yeah, we have voting rights expanded through constitutional amendments. Okay, we have the right of mobility expanded through constitutional amendments. You have just admitted on my show that the second amendment was not written for everyone. Where is the expansion of everybody's right yeah. to bear arms 
in the Constitution. Great, that is a fantastic question. 14th Amendment, the 14th Amendment makes sure that your right to keep and bear arms no matter where you live in the United States is guaranteed by the Second Amendment. Prior to the 14th Amendment, Come the on, Second sir. Amendment only applied to the federal government and states could infringe on your right to keep and bear arms based on race, based on whatever they wanted pretty much. And after the 14th Amendment, it made sure that all of us could have that. that. That's exactly what the McDonald case, when Thomas wrote the McDonald case, his concurring opinion in that took me to school, man. I mean, I learned so much in that 50 page opinion about the history of the 14th Amendment and applying the Second Amendment to all Americans everywhere. So that that's the answer to your question. You know, that's the Equal Protection Clause, which is really interesting because the 14th Amendment Section 3 is the same amendment that says if you have involved yourself in an insurrection against the United States government, you can no longer seek an office of public trust again. So since you are in fact a 14th Amendment advocate, do you agree with the 14th Amendment Section 3 that if you have involved yourself in an insurrection against the United States government, you are no longer allowed to seek public office in the United States of America? Well, of course, as you know well, that applied specifically to the Confederacy. And no, sir. Actually, it applied were involved to in an insurrection. No, but sir. Even it was if written the, for it was written for the Confederates. But once again, right. did you not say based on principle it applies to yeah. anybody that comes under that directive? So, sir, you're once right. Again, you're right. Do, I so know I'm right. That was involved uh, in it. 14th Amendment, Section Three. You mm -hmm. with me on this one now, right? As long as we can clarify here, we're talking about someone that's actually involved in an insurrection, perhaps yes. trying to burn federal court buildings in Seattle or in other places across the no, country. That's, or that, perhaps that's, trying to actually take over the government, which didn't happen on January 6th. Well, they but tried if to. it was to happen, if there was an actual well, they tried to. insurrection. It was, called, it was called insurrection, January 6th, they tried to do it. They tried to overthrow who's, who's democracy. Who's convicted of insurrection? Name, name one person actually, actually, been charged. Multiple people, multiple even people been charged. charged. No, sir, one person has even sir, been charged with an insurrection. Sir. They no. have been charged with seditious conspiracy to overthrow the government, which <laughs> is once again, statutorily, that's an insurrection. You don't have an insurrection statute on the federal books. So, you so know let, good let's, talk specifics. Well. let's talk specifics on insurrection and sedition, okay? How is having a, and, and I'm not defending the people that broke into the Capitol. Oh, I mean, sure anybody you that are. broke something and walked on broken glass and all those things, they deserve to be prosecuted. They should, they should have due process. They should not be in solitary confinement for a year. We're treating them worse than we treat Gitmo detainees. Oh, it's a, it's, a, it's an atrocity okay. to the country. But if you were rallying, if you were at the at the you know singing hymns and, and right. saying, I want Congress to do its job under the 12th Amendment and actually look at these electors, there's nothing sedition about that. Well, that's You're not what they did. I have the 30 seconds left, sir, before right. the end of this show and the beginning of the next one. That is not what they did. They did not go down there and sing Kumbaya. They actually infiltrated the government. They were looking for Mike Pence. They were looking for Nancy Pelosi. They have gone on record and said they were attempting to stop the constitutionally mandated process of certifying the electoral college would would have created a constitutionally yeah. undefined scenario. They have said on record, this is what we tried to do. Who is they? They were simply, un, uh, they were simply unsuccessful. But who uh, is many they? of them, sir, from the Proud Boys to the Oath Keepers. What are you talking about? Who who they are? Nobody in Oath Keepers has admitted to what you just said. Are there? And there's there been are zero evidence the that Keepers who that have they said. Their aim was to stop now, the You had a couple of, of crazy people that might have said oh, these so kind of things that had no people. means to do right. that. Always good, brother. I got to go to the hey, next show. Bro. I hope, I hope you keep your you right to bear arms and I hope you do keep and bear arms and we're all able to defend ourselves against mass murders. That's how you stop the carnage. All right, we'll talk about the school teacher thing next time. We didn't get to it. I got a whole <laughs> lot for you there too. Enjoyed all it, right. Dr. Richie. God bless all you, right, man. man. All right, God bless you, brother.